Hello, everybody. Uh, you've got Dan and Garrett here from Packram. And we're drinking. And we're drinking. How's everyone doing out there today? So today, uh, we wanted to do a podcast on what, Dan? What do we want to chat about today? Well, first of all, I want to tell you what we're drinking here. Okay. I just cracked a beautiful, right off the line, Superflux Beer Company, Correcta Mundo. It's a cannoli-inspired porter. I love it. And I'm drinking, about it. I'm drinking a double IPA from Lupolo. So, forget about the, it. the main thing I want to chat about, Daniel, is the can business because we are now in this and uh, it's a pretty exciting thing. So why don't you, why don't you tell the people a little bit more about cans? Let's do that. So the reason we are venturing into the can business is strictly out of need. So uh, at the beginning of the summer, well, what, what we do is we export uh, seven different craft breweries overseas, uh, mainly into Asia. Now we were short shipped on a few shipments going out this summer, not because of the lack of beer, not because of the lack of people to brew the beer or lack of sales, it was due to lack of cans. So what essentially is happening right now is uh, uh, the aluminum business, whoever governs that body, forecast very badly on how much North America is gonna need uh, aluminum. And so there is, there's two large canning companies and uh, they essentially, they have to supply the big guys first, your Coca-Colas, your Labatt's, your Molson's, and then whatever's left essentially trickles down to the craft, craft breweries. So when there's a shortage of cans, the craft breweries get screwed. And that's not good. It's not good. And a lot of these guys are scrambling just to get cans to put something, put, put some beer in the vessel. Um, and so what, we did is we were shipping to China at one point where they were short shipped and, and uh, our buyer over the said basically told us, hey, you guys need cans, I can get you cans. So we looked into it a little more and more and essentially now we're in the can business. Um, Garrett is stealing my beer right now. Well, Dan poured like 75% of the beer into his glass. So yeah, I'm stealing it. Anyways, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so we looked at pricing, the, the, the margins on cans are incredibly thin, but it certainly is something that, that is very doable. Now we're actually not uh, going to be making a ton of money by any means off of this venture, but what it will do, it will, it will give a lot of the breweries here, give a lot of the distributors here, a second buyer to buy from. There's and not it's a, good for the industry. It's good for the, well, that's exactly it. It's good for the industry. And so a lot of guys will, will look to buy from us or people doing similar things to us. And they'll only buy say like 10 per 10 to 20% of their cans from us to kind of keep us at arm length in case there is another shortage. Cause before there was, there, there, there couldn't have been a, uh, 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 a second supplier to work. A second partner. I absolutely love that interlude. This thing's hilarious. And, Anyways. And during that interlude, I got to try this uh, beautiful Superflux cannoli-inspired porter, and it, it is it is wonderful. It's super sweet. It has a super sweet, but it's like a sweet that's like a chocolate mousse kind of sweet. It's almost like the inside of a cannoli. It's delicious. It's like they did it on purpose. So what we did, Dan, is uh, we flew to Shanghai. Uh, and what we did, that tell me, tell the people what you did in Shanghai, Dan. Yeah, so it, it, was, a, it was a last minute thing. We... Um, uh, took a buyer or two with us and we went to check out the the factory the can factory because a lot of people have a stigma right now and it's probably for good reason uh, uh, looking at the last 20 30 years and what's come out of China uh, that it's an inferior good and and that stigma is changing very rapidly in China and it, it's being spearheaded by the government the government doesn't want and I'm talking about the Chinese government the Chinese government doesn't want China to have a stigma around it that they produce crap um, and they don't. So the factory that we're working with, uh, they produce cans for Coca-Cola, Pepsi, 
uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev, uh, all the massive uh, uh, companies. So walking around this, this huge factory, an old factory, this factory's been around about 40 years, but it's spotless, absolutely brilliant. Uh, you see stacks and stacks, like three, four, five stories tall of, uh, of Coca-Cola and Pepsi and this kind of stuff, but they produce it for the Chinese market. So what we did is we were able to solidify a uh, exclusivity agreement on a 473 mil can and a 355. So what can. does an exclusivity agreement mean? So that means that we are the only ones that are able to sell from that factory a 473 mil or 355 milliliter can in North America. In North America? In North America. That's pretty awesome. And how did we do that? We uh, presented ourselves in a very uh, professional and, and endearing manner, and uh, now we're on the hook for some large minimum quantity orders. Uh, but we have a partner, too. We, we do have a partner. Uh, that partner, will, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but that is a, a distributing partner that obviously is going to help us with, within that matter. Yeah, so our partner is in China, effectively, and he in, or imports a lot of our brands already. Uh, so he... He's got a lot of political clout in China, and when China, just based on Guangxi and the relationships in that market, is that uh, they're only people are typically only going to be doing um, business with other people, particularly Chinese people who they have existing relationships with. Um, so what we were able to do is find a guy who knew a guy who was really, really, really well connected, uh, and then actually it was. It, it, it allowed us to bypass a lot of the hurdles uh, of Guanxi and relationships and really uh, kick it out of the park when it, in terms of negotiating a contract, which is pretty amazing. So Absolutely. In, in a few minutes, I want one more interlude because those things are dope. Uh, we'll chat about what the next steps are. Okay, Danny, so what are the next steps? So the next steps are uh, getting these. So, so we've gone, we've tested the cans, we've tested the uh, the resin liners that goes along with it, and I'm learning a lot about cans. So what you actually don't know about, about uh, the inside of cans, every can, every whether it's a beer can, a pop can, it's a can that holds soup, it has a spray on the inside, and, it, and it's essentially an epoxy resin that's sprayed on the inside, and there might be a different pH level depending on what you're putting in that can. So what you normally do with a cannery is you, when, when getting cans made, you tell them what you're gonna put in it, and they spray according to that. And it's it's interesting because they know that the spray liner of, of, of anything, anything that you put in, isn't necessarily good for you, what they put in, but it's essential for preserving whatever you're putting inside. But the interesting part is, normally when it comes to things like preserving food and, 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 and the materials that they go into, there's always another choice. In this instance, there's no other choice. Um, nowhere in the world have they found a better uh, preserve or liner to put to put inside the can. So what we do is we tell the can factory exactly what we're gonna put in to uh, 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 the cans and then they they do a spray according to that. So what we do is is on every shipment, uh, uh, well, on the samples that we've got is we've swabbed the inside, we've sent that over to a, uh, a scientist, a lab, and, and they are checking exactly that everything's up to code. Uh, we've also put our the cans through uh, pressure testing and they've actually uh, tested a lot higher and a lot better than the cans that are produced here in North America. So That's actually, news. we will be bringing over a superior can to what is used to over here. Awesome. And now the other piece is that, I mean, in terms of sales, we have a sales price point but because we're buying such large quantities. What then? It's a pretty preferable price point, isn't it? It's a preferable price point, and price point isn't the, the price points vary by you know when you're talking about selling cans, when you're talking about selling millions of cans at a time, you're looking at price points vary upwards of you know as low as you know 0 0.2 of a cent, right? Type of thing. So we are we are very comparable. We're, we're even um, can actually even undercut the big guys. Uh, 
but it's not, that's not really the big deal. The big deal is that we can actually supply people. So when, when talking to uh, uh, breweries, when, when talking to anyone who, who wants to buy cans, the automatic answer from them is yes, absolutely, we will buy some cans from you. Just simply because they they need them, everyone needs them. It's such a need. And, right. Um, uh, me being a bit a bit of a hippie at heart, I don't like the idea of of shipping something around the world when it's it's not necessarily uh, it's it's not really needed. In this point, it is needed. There's a shortage of cans mm-hmm. in North America, and it and it actually is an issue. I want to say one thing is that I'm proud of you, Dan, because this was your baby. You took it from A to Z. Aww, That's fucking that awesome. I'm super proud of you. Thanks, it's buddy. great. It's a great yeah. thing. So for everybody listening, we'll do this more often. We always say that, and then we never do. But um, yeah, just a little bit insights into not only our life and our business, but the industry as well. Uh, signing off. Have Cheers. a happy holidays. We'll Salud. chat soon.